you got somebody trying to run the ball, but is anybody blocking? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and even you know, and it comes in where sometimes everybody's doing the right job, and you still don't have that success because your foe, your enemy, your opponent has means, tricks, ways, whatever it may be, preparation, whatever they do, to try to foil what you're attempting to do. Welcome to the Wild Things podcast, where the wild things aren't, and I am glad to be joined tonight, today, whenever we're recording this, <laughs> um, by a good friend, a colleague in many counts, and honestly, just a a brother in Christ, uh, and we go way back, so uh, probably 30 years or so uh, in ministry in some ways, but just thankful to have this guy as a part of my life and um, looking forward to the conversation we're going to have for you guys on the podcast. Jamie Shell is the pastor at Minneapolis Christian Church in Avery County. And uh, Jamie, first, thank you for taking the time to join me. Glad to do it, man. Anytime. Glad to do uh, anything to help a brother out for sure. Well, you know, hopefully we can bring knowledge to some folks. We've had some conversations about what does it mean to be a Christian, to live out a Christian example, especially when we're facing something like a pandemic. Um, let's just start where all this really kind of started in our conversation, and that is the hatred, man. Uh, <laughs> the hatred of people in our communities, the hatred of folks, just the back and forth arguing that's been going on. Uh, a whole lot of... Um, Almost seems like just a lot of social uh, anxiety, I guess maybe is a good word. But, I mean, I know you've seen it too. We've had those conversations. Yeah. But, you know, how how do we approach things like this, man? I, I Ultimately, through God's word, uh, and for those that are listening, the topic of this is going to be, you know, finding peace in anxiety uh you know kind of like finding peace in the living as a christian in a in a peaceless world maybe <laughs> you come up with better words than i do but i mean living more or less just living as a christian and what that looks like how that translates in a time like this so I guess first things first, man. I, how? <laughs> yeah, you know it's 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 a it's a hard time for a lot of people, of course, and uh, you know, it's it's hard to know where everyone is as far as each individual person, where they are uh, in their faith, where they are um, just in their situation, and there uh, there are situations I I can't even fathom with with this pandemic where we've had. Of course, people who have lost loved ones as a result of the, the coronavirus. You've had people who have uh, contracted and, and recovered from it, even, you know, here in our in our county and my in my day job, as I like to call it, uh, you know, over the newspaper every day. I, I'm, you know, and you know this, too, Philip, from your work with the station. Yeah, you're, you're always getting, uh, you know, updated with email and information about the virus, about about how many people in the county from the, which I, I credit our local health departments here. They do a tremendous job as far as keeping us updated on a daily basis. Now I do give them a, a shout out for that. 
but we, we get these updates and, and it's it's tough to see the numbers continue to decline and see the and and to we, we sometimes i believe lose sight of how each of those numbers represents somebody mm-hmm. and it's somebody we don't know what where they are uh physically we we may not have a clue of course where they are uh, on a spiritual level and it almost seems to me like after a point we've kind of gotten a little bit uh, i guess fatigued i guess would be the word i would use with with all of the information and everything going on with uh, with what we're dealing with in this pandemic right. and i think in all that noise and in all that fatigue we, we have to be very careful as as believers and as as uh, followers of christ to not let that noise drown out the still small voice of god uh, that 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 whisper that that we still uh, here within our own spirits, uh, of course, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I believe that sometimes in that noise uh, that tends to try to drown that out, there are other voices, uh, voices of dissension, uh, voices of divisiveness, uh, whether it be from a, uh, a spiritual, whether it be even from a, from a political perspective. And, and those things tend to try to want to divide us and take away that peace that you mentioned. Uh, it wants to replace that peace with with uh, chaos, replace that that serenity with with uh, uh, fracturedness. I guess is a word I'll use. Uh, I write a timely truth every week for for the paper, and I wrote about uh, a couple of weeks ago about serenity, uh, about finding peace in a time of chaos. Right. And this pandemic has really tested so many of us uh, about trying to find that peace in our lives, uh, trying to find that that place where we can take our anchor and we can we can root it deeply um, into the into the soil well you know of, of, of Christ you and I have had this conversation probably many times and even though the situation has changed the circumstances haven't right. we still have to be aware of who we are as children of God as Christians and you know in Matthew like the four most comforting words for me, in the midst of this entire pandemic have not been. Well, I mean, okay. It comes in groups of four. First, thy will be done. You right. know, thy will be done. Meaning God is in control. He's going to be the one that ultimately is sovereign, has the power over everything. Secondly, is four words that many would probably not at all associate to be honest. But the reality is, is if I go to the book of Matthew and look at chapter 24, chapter 24 of Matthew, where he says, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him, him being Jesus and privately said, tell us when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Now, I'm not talking about the end of times. I'm not saying, you know, the peace is in the fact that it might be near. There is peace in that for me as a Christian, as a believer. But it's the words of Jesus that I find peace in because he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Because these things must happen. These things must take place. Those four or five words, depending on your translation, 
I have found comfort in. These things must happen. If it is the end times, if it is the Antichrist conversation, if all of these conspiracies that people are diving into, uh, you know, deeply, <laughs> might right. I add, mm -hmm. if it is, there shouldn't be panic or fear or arguing. He tells us these things must happen. If if this is what times we're talking about, do not be alarmed. These things must happen. And, you know, I, I think about that and realize, you know, how have we allowed the fear of those things to turn into arguing and bickering and anger toward other people? Telling people they they must wake up. They must this. They must that. You know. Yeah, they do need to be aware. But do we really need to be angry over these things? Yeah, the last the last time I checked, Philip, anger wasn't a fruit of the spirit. Amen uh, to that. You know, yeah, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I know in our prayer group, our, our series of devotions we've been doing, we, we had a a series of, of uh, devotions on the fruit of the spirit. And I think it's been very appropriate. I, I love reading those and knowing those, those fruit, but I always find it interesting that the same Paul who shares, you know, the fruit of the spirit, he, he makes a, a statement and I've been studying Paul some in my, in my, in my quiet times, in my, in my study time. And in verse 12 of the first chapter of Philippians, it's interesting that he says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And I think about Paul, and I think about what what happened in his life to this point. What, what are some things that had happened in his life? How many life-changing experiences, or life-altering, I should even say, experiences had he been through when he writes this letter to the church at Philippi? And I think about that in, in, in the framework of, of us. Um, Paul, despite everything that he was enduring, he, he found a way to, to worship, to recognize that the things that, that he was going through helped him to push the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. And I've, I've thought about that a lot lately, and I've thought about how, you know, so many times in our lives, we, we don't know what's coming next. Right. <laughs> we, we've really learned that here in the last few months is we don't know. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know if, uh, you know, more positive cases are around the corner. We don't know if our own health may change as a result of what's going on. We don't know. And I think those are some of the, the most key words that we even, uh, you know, find throughout God's word is, you know, I do not know. You know, Paul necessarily didn't know everything that was going to happen to him. He knew he was secure and he had peace because of his relationship with Jesus and that's something that that we can hang on to, you know. That's a that's a model we can emulate, a model we can we can hold on to. Uh, and he had a lot of things going on, um, but really that 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 idea of advancing the gospel that he says there is just a. It, it makes me think about, I think about sports terms, mm -hmm. and I think about when you're trying to advance a, a football, when you're thinking about the game of football, you know, you you're advancing, you're you're trying with with all your effort to move forward, um, and if you're not moving forward you're not making progress. And I've wondered very often, Philip, these last 
you know, several months now. If, if this pandemic has been a way for us as believers to, to learn a new way to move forward. Well, maybe the, the ways we've tried to move forward in the past doesn't work the same. You know, we're, not, we're not moving in concert together. It's again, I'll use a football analogy. You have 11 people that have to know the play and execute the play and do everything fairly well. Mm-hmm. to be able to advance forward. You got somebody trying to run the ball, but is anybody blocking? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and even, you know, and it comes in where sometimes everybody's doing the right job and you still don't have that success because your foe, your enemy, your opponent has means, tricks, ways, whatever it may be, preparation, whatever they do, to try to foil what you're attempting to do. And again, that analogy, I think, really rings true when we think about you know, our, our foe in, in this life, think about, you know, Satan's schemes and, you know, his, his ways and, and the world's ways, how it mm-hmm. tries to do the same thing to foil us as believers. It, uh, you know, they, we're constantly being tried and tested and that that's happened way before this pandemic. Okay. That, oh, yeah, absolutely. that testing and that trial has been going on, you know, uh, since day one or well, they, six or seven we'll put it that way <laughs> uh since adam and eve were, well, were, were you know tempted in the garden yeah whatever day that was <laughs> we we started <laughs> having trouble um i want to go back to those four words again though these mm-hmm. things must happen um honestly i began doing word studies on that and i started thinking where are other places that jesus said these things must happen And one of those places, again, comes in a moment where I think we could all put ourselves in someone's shoes. Um, In fact, if I go backwards uh, from where I'm going to look, but we're in chapter 26 of Matthew, uh, go back a little bit into the chapter and you find that there's the plot to kill Jesus and then they get to dinner. And Jesus tells them where to go, how to get there, and then they come together. And it says these words, while they were eating, he said, truly someone will betray me. Mm-hmm. And they all start questioning and saying, well, surely not I. And then Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. And he says, you have said it. Now, that means he knows He's explaining to Judas that he's going to, but it says while they were eating. So obviously he's telling them that he's going to be betrayed saying it, you know, this thing will happen. So then you get down to Peter denial and Jesus predicts his denial and he's telling Peter, these things will happen. And then we get to where Judas does betray Jesus and they come into mm-hmm. the garden and it says that they came up, took hold of Jesus and arrested him at that moment. One of those with Jesus, who we know to be Peter from another gospel, took out his sword, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus told him, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. And then he says, or do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will provide me here and now with more than 12 legions of angels? 
How then would the scripture be fulfilled that say this, that say it must happen this way? Again, he's telling him there. The scripture has to be fulfilled and it must happen this way. So here's my full takeaway from those four words in just these little sections. One, Judas, although known to be the betrayer, ate dinner with Jesus. Anyway, it's not like Jesus stopped before dinner and said, hey, I know what you're going to do, so just go do it. He, during dinner, said to him, you know, someone's going to betray me. They, he then tells Peter, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter's swearing that he's not, but yet he then takes Peter to the garden with him uh, anyway, knowing that Peter was going to deny him and asks him to stay awake and pray. But it's all about the, this conversation of it must happen this way. These things must happen. Going back to the prophecies of the old Testament, his life must happen in a specific way. He could have called 12 legions of angels doing the math. That's like 72,000 angels mm-hmm. based on math. So he could have called a whole lot of angels to come to his aid he didn't need a disciple to cut it to pull out a sword but obviously there was a moment where reaction became you know and and then you start putting yourself in peter's shoes well peter jumped out of a boat for jesus peter walked on the water because jesus said come to me and then he fell because he took his eyes off of him and he lost sight in the midst of the storm But then we see right after this, when Jesus is against the Sanhedrin, they come up to Peter and he begins to deny Christ. Could it be because his feelings were hurt because he didn't get to do what he wanted to do in the garden? Maybe. The human came out, right? Maybe. Absolutely. (laughs) The human came out of Peter a lot. Let's just put it that way. Peter, I mean, we relate to him so much on a Christian level because Peter did a lot of things without acting. Or without thinking. He acted quite often on impulse. But then again, Jesus was the only one who was, I think, capable of thinking through things enough, uh, especially in that time with these things. But they kept, you know, those four words. These things must happen. To me, what we're seeing now happen around us in the world today is another situation of these things must happen because God is sovereign mm-hmm. and the scripture can speak to us through those things. I mean, I, I'd be interested to know your take on that. Cause I know we've been studying different things that are leading to similar conclusions, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at uh, again, you know, thinking not just about, you know, with Peter and with, with Christ, I, uh, Peter's a, a great example of one who was still used by Christ, was reinstated by Christ after his resurrection. Um, just is such a, a case study of of us, a case study of us as, as God's people. Um, 
none of us we're none of us are perfect <laughs> uh we all struggle we all we all sin we we fall short and we, we know of peter's shortcomings because it's recorded for us uh in a in a book that has been read by more people around the world than any other book in any time in history you know that's that's pretty big spotlight <laughs> on, on his mistakes i'm and i'm grateful praise god that i don't have that i'm I, this is what i was getting ready to say i'm thankful that my life is not being written down at least that i know of like Peter's Um, man, that would, you know, but as I look at the apostles and, and even Paul, you know, the qualifications of the apostle was that they walked with Jesus in his ministry, uh, had that encounter with him, that personal encounter. Now, obviously we can't have an apostle today necessarily. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, from, for all intents and purposes, you can't find, where Paul met him otherwise in his actual ministry on earth. But you do see that he used that as his qualification because he was called directly by Christ himself um, in that conversation. But what we see in the apostles or in Peter himself, even is this humanity that leads us to relate. He's a fisherman. He's, a working man. He is, you know, Matthew is a tax collector. He is, well, let's see. There's nine marginal individuals. What was it? Nine fishermen, a tax collector, and two others. I, I can't remember. I have a breakdown somewhere. I've I've spoken on it before, but it's escaped my mind right now. Let's just simply say Jesus chose the marginal to be his disciples. He chose those that society did not want things to do with. Like they were pushing them to the side. They would have never listened. These men were not qualified. How do they know these things? All they've done is follow a man around. I mean, this is what you're hearing. And they don't even understand how Jesus knows these things. I mean, at 12, the man sitting in the temple telling them things about the gospel you know so what's what's the thing with that like none of them were qualified in the pharisees terms okay sorry i, I missed the last part of what you That's said it. can you repeat that yeah no none of them were qualified according to the pharisees right <laughs> Uh, I love technology. Uh, it, it was frozen, and then I see right. Oh, <laughs> right, or whether I should disagree with you. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll count down and and start there. Um, so, all right, so you've got all these men. Right, I will I will interrupt you though, Philip. I will say yeah. I kind of back to what the part I, I I kind of did get to there here was about how Christ ministered to through the disciples, at least mm-hmm. in their case, the the, the marginal. You look throughout throughout the Gospels, you know Jesus. That was his. That was his. That was his mo. I think about the man with leprosy. You know, for for Jesus was 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 heading in another direction somewhere, and and this in his ministry, this leper comes to him, and and Jesus heals him. You know, one of the last things. That, first of all, you know, a priest you're not to touch anything unclean. This man had had a disease that was uh, encompassing his his body and had you know taken 
you know, had caused him to be quarantined, right, to a leper colony, you know, had to be, you know, set aside somewhere. And Jesus, though we would agree as a, as a high priest, as a, as a, as a rabbi, you know, it was, it was totally counter what the, the, the Jewish, you know, tenants would have been right. to even be anywhere near this, this leper. Well, and that's what I was saying. Like every one of these guys were marginal and the Pharisees were the religious leaders. So they qualified people mm-hmm. by their teaching, by their reaction. These men, including Jesus, were not qualified in their eyes to do what they were doing. Right. Right. And as you mentioned, the leper there, and, and I'll let you continue that thought here in a moment. But as you're saying, Jesus, even having contact with them leads you to believe he would have been shunned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what, what did he say to the Pharisees? He said, you know, it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And, you know, he, he used that as kind of the, uh, a qualifier throughout his ministry that his, his, his whole purpose was to seek and save that, which was lost. And that's what he passed along to us. Um, you know, and, and Peter, I think it took him a while to, to understand that. And I really believe that it, it took a long time for him. I mean, he even even after Christ's resurrection, you know, he had issue with with Paul regarding the Judaizers and whether whether a, a believer had to be circumcised first and and undergo that Jewish ritual before they could become a Christian. And Peter and Paul, they 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 butted heads on that. Uh, they they had disagreements. So even even these these giants of of the Christian faith didn't always agree with each well, other. Well, okay, let's go to a statement that we've heard many times. And that is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And Adam and Eve, Adam was created. Adam fell. Abraham, God called him the night after he had been at a celebration to the moon God. So was he living that life in a, in where he should have been? No. Uh, David, do we need to go into detail <laughs> about David's life? Um, David's life was far from perfect, but called a man after God's own heart. Um, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land because he broke the covenant that, you know, he did something wrong and God punished him. Um, Peter. God showed Peter a sheet and said, eat what you will. Don't call anything I've made unclean. And then you get to the conversation you're saying. And, and Paul took exception to that because not only did Peter make that choice, Paul calls him out for bringing Barnabas into the mix Mm -hmm. saying you caused him to stumble. And so Barnabas stumbles because of Peter's decision. Yeah, we're we're not that far off. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And so I mean, the reality is we shouldn't expect the best out of everyone. No. But we should strive to be the best version of 
the Christ follower that, that we can be. I mean, we, we can we can strive for that. I mean, you know. Uh, but is it fair to expect everyone to be you? Or is that adding your opinion to the mix? I mean, and I, yeah. it's a tongue-in-cheek question, obviously, but. Right, right. Yeah, you, you can't expect everyone to be you. I mean, the the uh, maybe a, a fault that that we have as as uh, humanity, I guess, as individuals, is we we always. I don't want to say always. I'm not, okay. I'll say it anyway. Always, we, we we always maybe have a tendency to to want to, as you said, quantify, qualify where somebody is on this on this scale mm-hmm. of how holy of how faithful, of how, um, you know, how faultless, how strong, how much of a leader, how, it, you know, insert whatever qualification here you want as a believer. You know, um, you know, brother, brother, Billy Bob, boy, he's, he's holy. Yeah, he's a, he's a holy, he's a holy person. You know, sister, you know, sister Grace, she's, she's, boy, she's a prayer warrior. She's got a good name. Very well be true. <laughs> What's that? I said she's got a good name. Yeah, they may very well be really, really high, and, you know, and 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 have great, you know, great marks in those areas. But there are always other areas in our lives where we struggle. You know, other areas where we we that maybe people don't recognize right. that, that we have hard times with that we that we aren't as faithful in. You know, maybe we maybe we have an issue with gossiping, or maybe we have a um, uh, some other demons or something that we that we fight and deal with it's like like we spoke with earlier we, we were speaking about a, a christian music artist rich mullins and just our our mutual just enjoyment of his music and and uh just uh respect for the ministry he had during his life um but again he was someone that we both agree far from perfect uh, he, although he he contributed greatly to the to the world of, of christian music the world of uh, even you know i would even argue in in, in just helping in, in personal faith of individuals, uh, he would never say he was perfect, you know, and quotes I've read from him and, and, and things I've heard him say uh, on, you know, recordings really attest to that, you know, and again, I go back to saying, you know, I'm glad there isn't a book being written immediately, at least here on this earth of my life. I know there is a time where I'm going to give account for my life. It's going to be laid out before me. We're all going to face that. It's going to happen you know, before, before almighty God, not before man, uh, man ordained. Uh, and and I think it's important, not, not just as a way of fear to remember that, uh, but I think it's, I think it's more of a charge to us. It's more of a, a call, if you will, calling, I'll say that, that we, that we push forward that we press forward as, as God's people, that even in the midst of times like this, times when, there's a great uncertainty. There is divisiveness. There are distinct camps of different opinion on, on everything from going to school to wearing a face covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- there are various camps. I was uh, just saying to a coworker the other day, you have, you know, one extreme and you have another extreme and a lot of folks that are somewhere in the middle. Well, and everybody's opinion <laughs> is the truth to them. There's a place that we're in right now as a society we've never been before that I can that in our lifetime anyway, 
And that is that everybody's opinion is their truth and you have to conform to that. No one's willing to learn. Um, but I want to say this. We're not far off again, like we've been saying, and we're comparing Peter. We're comparing Paul. We're comparing these, uh, you know, Stephen was stoned for not having the opinion of the Pharisees. And Paul held the coats. Paul then mm -hmm. became a man with the same opinion of Stephen after an experience. And, you know, and I've heard the question asked of people, well, what if it was one of yours? What if it was your family member? What if it was someone close to you? What if it was this? What if it was that? And we ask all these questions. Um, I look at the scripture, just the book of Matthew is all I'm really looking at right now. I mean, I haven't even skipped past that book because there's so many good examples in it for us. If we want to look at something and think about today's times and see examples of it, the book of Matthew speaks directly to a number of things. Just look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 11, they were on their way. Some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this. Money speaks, money talks. And so in a society where we're dealing with a lot of different sides, money is speaking. What's going to make that person the most money, so that point of view is what they're going to buy into. And you're right, I agree. <laughs> um, but at the same time, but you know, what does money bring you as well? In our in our culture, in our society, you know, money can bring power, and and that's been that's been a hot topic uh, in our society. Yeah, at least in this state in which we're originating, the whole issue of power. Who has power to do what? Who can do this? Who can do that? Right. You know, can we have a you know an offset? Can we have a balance of power? Can we have a uh, you know uh, and it just this this tension that, mm. that continues? It, it's all it's all it's on a local level as far as our state goes, as we talked earlier about. Um, but on a national level, we see it as well. And I'm not going to get political. That's not my point. In, well, no, in absolutely that, not. That that statement. I won't let you. But but. But but there is but there is is that there's a friction that we can't deny that is taking place and and again what happens is uh, you know religion I, I'll, I'll use that word religion even though I don't don't like using it very often uh, I, but anyway religion comes into it people will utilize religion as their uh, basis for defining or their basis of why they do what they do or don't do what they don't do. Right. And like, well, here we are getting in the fight. We're going to just gra drag God right in the middle of it. You know, that, that kind of idea. Why shouldn't um, we? The scripture tells us yeah. to keep God as the center of our conversations. Keep your conversation yeah. in heaven. Yeah. And he should be. And, you know, but but twisting his word or twisting what, what he has told us, um, you know, through through history, through scripture, through experience, to, to twist that to what we want to conform it to. I think that's where you have the danger. I think that's where that that's where the trouble lies, um, where we where we take the word and say, OK, the word says this. But for this situation, it's going to say that. 
uh, it's gonna it's gonna prove my point here where someone else might take that same passage or that same verse or that same truth and say well as you said earlier my version of truth here's my version of truth here's what I believe that says and, and you just, again both people both instances feel in their heart of hearts that they're right and they're justified and then you have this tension you know throughout history was that done that's I don't know that's split churches that's mm-hmm. split denominations uh, that's 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 that split families for that matter well I saw uh, I, I saw an interesting uh picture the other day uh it had two light sources and it had in the middle a cylinder that's laid on its side well one light source sheds a light on a backdrop and it's a square as a shadow the other coming from the circular end of it puts a circle as a shadow so you have a circle on one a a square on the other and it's saying both are right based on Mm -hmm. the perspective but sometimes you need to back up and see the whole story sometimes you have to back up and look at the perspective of all sides before making decisions and do we have a problem with that or maybe we just need to step back and switch the light on in the room. Let's take a moment here as we uh, wrap up this first part of a two-part series. Yes, it's a little longer, uh, but a lot of great information in these two parts for you as far as being a Christian in this world that we are in. But I do want to stop and just pray for Jamie, for his ministry, for the church, and uh, what he's got going on there. Um So let's do that as we close out this week's podcast. Father God, we thank you again for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, know you, to make you known, Lord. And I thank you for Jamie. I thank you for his ministry. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for the folks that he ministers to. And I ask that, Lord, you would just uh, bless him, bless his health, Lord, as he's been going through some things. I pray you would just touch his life. Lord, just keep and Lord, we just give you the glory, the honor and the praise for all that you've done. And all you continue to do, Lord, we just love you. We thank you. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise today. And we pray it in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. And we are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Are.